Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8 about wisdom that falls short. Now, the bigger uh, title of the series is The Problem of Evil. We know we have evil in the world and the power of the gospel. And we have seen what we might call man's wisdom captured in the first speech of Eliphaz. And he's been kind of going with the religious philosophical uh, ideas that we might run into as we talk to friends and family. If you do good things, then good things are gonna happen in your life. If you do bad things, then bad things are probably gonna happen in your life. And you hear people talk about the law of karma. Well, the law of karma is actually an Eastern thought. And that is not a biblical teaching. However, the Bible does teach the law of sowing and reaping. But as we've been discovering in the book of Job, what has happened to Job is not because he has sown something bad. It's not because he's done something wrong or committed some grievous sin against God. In fact, just the opposite, Job is an incredibly upright man. God has been boasting on him before uh, Lucifer or Satan. But Job has hit a low of lows, one that we can probably most of us barely even imagine and life has become what we might call unfair. How many of you have said that at some point in your life? Life just isn't fair. Now, well, you might have said this when you were young. You may say this on the freeway. You may say this at your job when you were overlooked for a promotion. You may, you may have said it to God before. That doesn't seem fair, or I don't understand what's going on. I was listening to a broadcast. Uh, I was on Family Life and this lady was saying that we live in a culture of comfort. See if this resonates with you. We live in a culture of comfort. We want to be comfortable. But have you noticed that just about everything that God will ask of you in this life, are you ready, will take you out of your comfort zone? <laughs> Can I get a witness? It's true, right? Just about everything that God has asked me to do over the years of the ministry in, as a pastor have been out of my comfort zone. Public speaking, out of my comfort zone. You say, really, Pastor Michael? Really? Now, of course, it's been years and things you know, have become a little bit easier, but I do think that God loves to stretch us, to put us in times and situations where we have to rely on him. See, his power is going to be most seen in your life when you have to be reliant on God, not on your own natural gifts and abilities, but reliant upon God. And so the book of Job is hinting at something that Job's friends just can't see. And I want to put it in your vocabulary. If you haven't written this down, write it down tonight. It's the idea of redemptive suffering. I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day, and we were talking about all the suffering in the world, and this person was saying she went and visited somebody in a uh, situation where there's a lot of uh, people who are, uh, they can't really take care of themselves, like a, like a recovery kind of convalescent situation. 
And so she was telling me that when she goes in there, it's not only the agony she feels for the, her loved one who's not doing as well as he used to do, but then she sees the other people who are also there and the plight that they have to deal with. And so she often leaves there a bit downhearted, not only for the sympathy that she feels for her loved one who can't do what he used to do, but then watches the other people in that environment and says, wow, you know, let's face it, we've all probably walked away, maybe after visiting a loved one in, the, in a hospital, maybe other things that you guys can think of where you just go, man, there is so much suffering in the world and maybe we're largely shielded from a lot of it. Maybe you get exposed to it every day. Some of you are in professions where you see it all the time. And then there's even a danger on the other side of that where you can become callous to suffering where you can see so much of it, and, and some people in certain professions have to almost build calluses because they come upon it so often that they have to almost you know, distance themselves. They don't want it to get too personal. Law enforcement, EMTs, doctors and nurses, you, know, you could probably make your list. But the book of Job is hinting at the fact that when life doesn't make sense, we have to look often beyond the neat and tidy religious philosophical boxes that have been created by generations uh, past us. It's not always that neat and tidy. It's not always that easy to answer the big questions of life. In fact, the book of Job is hinting that only in the councils of heaven, in the wisdom or in the face of God, will, will we really find satisfactory answers. And I'm sure you've noticed with all the dilemmas going on in the world, all the tragedies that happen, the shootings that have just ramped up in our time, the, you know, the heartbreak, the political strife, the racism, you know, the, the things that happen morally in our country that we wonder what's going on, the hate that we see, we can make our list. We start to ask questions like, well, where are the answers truly found? Are they found in the university systems, in the talking heads of our times? Or where can I find true, authentic, genuine answers for suffering? Jesus said in Luke 9.22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And then he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus seems to be indicating that any serious follower of the Savior has to put into that job description at least the possibility of suffering and the possibility of suffering for your faith. We have believers in other countries that, uh, in China, for example, the underground church says that they thrive the most in a context of suffering. Now, how many of you can say that you wake up in the morning and say, gee golly, Lord, I'm glad that we're suffering because the church is really on fire because we're suffering so much. No, no, in our, in our Western context and, and even in our humanity, we'd say, no way, that's, that's never something that I would wish for or pray for uh, to energize my faith. But Jesus said, for just as the lightning flashes out of one part of the sky and shines to the other part of the sky, so will be the Son of Man in his day. But first, 
This is Luke 17, 24, 25. First, he, Messiah, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That's what Jesus knew was coming. Suffering and rejection. And he signed on the dotted line. Yes, Father. That's what I will do. I will come into the world and I will suffer for my people. I will be misunderstood. I will be uh, hated without a cause. I will be fastened to a cross, indeed nailed to a cross, not for my crimes, not, not because I did anything wrong. He was the sinless son of God, God the son, but for the sake of others. He says in Luke 24, verse 25, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Wasn't my suffering predicted, prophesied, and necessary for your salvation? Do you see what I'm getting at, friends? I'm getting at the idea of redemptive suffering. Now, I'm not saying that your suffering or my suffering can redeem anybody as in save their soul. There's one Savior. His name is Jesus. But the way that we handle a world that is suffering and broken can be redemptive, and I'm going to put that in quotes, as others watch you. Example. Uh, Tomorrow, we are having a memorial service for a brother named Bill Brock. Bill Brock fought cancer for about 20 years, faithfully uh, ministered, planted churches, had a ministry of healing. He always had anointing oil in his pocket. He was always, he was encouraging others while fighting his own cancer for a stretch of, I think, some 20 years. He would find out somebody else had cancer and he would go and pray with them. He wouldn't talk about his own problems. He had pain and, and difficulty and suffering and, and a lot of stuff going on. But he was a prayer warrior. And as Bill suffered with his ongoing cancer and got used to dealing with hospitals and doctors and gained insight into, you know, how you need to fight for your health and how you need to ultimately rely upon God, as other people got a cancer diagnosis, Bill's suffering became redemptive. Everybody with me? This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that anybody probably who has ever been a Christian for very long and hit a wall of suffering has probably turned to this book. What's the book? The book of Job. Now, some people have put it off. I don't think I want to read Job right now. (laughs) I don't know. The Lord might put me through the book. Don't want that. But if you're suffering, some of you said, okay. And some of you even ventured in here on Wednesday nights, okay, (laughs) we're studying Job. But Pastor Michael's the one teaching it, Lord. So make him more accountable than all of us, right? I feel you. I feel you. But I'm throwing it back your way now. All right? It's a two-way street. We're going together. Anyway. But here's the point. We've picked up the book of Job in times where maybe you even felt like Job. Why did you pick up the book? Because you wanted to see if a man who's called righteous and blameless can suffer for reasons he doesn't understand somewhere something's happening up in the councils of heaven and he can make it through and still continue to be a worshiper of God and still have redemptive suffering. That is what we're talking about. And I will tell you this, if you mention that phrase to a coworker who who knows nothing of the Bible or nothing of the things that we're talking about right now, I'm sure they probably look at you and say, redemptive what? 
What in the world are you talking about, man? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And I will tell you this, if you mention that phrase to a coworker who, who knows nothing of the Bible or nothing of the things that we're talking about right now, I'm sure they probably look at you and say, redemptive what? What in the world are you talking about, man? But if they turn on the news tonight and there was a bombing in a church or a shooting in a synagogue or something happens in a local school where all of a sudden we have to deal with the issue again because you know what we have? We have amnesia. We quickly forget how many things have happened where we've got to deal with these questions, inexplicable questions, diseases, etc. Look, it's not fun stuff, but it is reality. Would you agree? It's where we live. It's going to hit our doorstep at one point or another or multiple times throughout our lifetime. So I want to have you hold your place. We haven't done a verse yet in Job, I know. This is all preamble. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to show you uh, some verses you may have seen before. I want to show you the setting of it in the famous apologetics verse of 1 Peter 3.15. Let's read together, beginning in verse 14. Of 1 Peter 3, 3.14. Peter writes, Even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, 1 Peter 3.14, you are blessed. Mark that. Even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed? Most people wouldn't say, Hey, I've been suffering this week. I'm blessed. You know when people say, I'm blessed? When you got a promotion. You pull up in a new car. Something went through. Something happened. Something good happened at work. You met a person, you know, maybe that you like, or there's a good situation, or going, blessed. What if you said, man, I've had a hangnail all week and it's killing me? Someone said, sorry to hear that, man. That's a bummer. And you went, no, blessed. <laughs> we just freak them out, <laughs> right? Because normally we associate that word, and I think the world's picked up the world now, 
blessed. It's just kind of thrown around, right? What, is, what does that mean? That means the hand of God is on me and the tangible hand of God is on me even in times of suffering. Peter says, don't fear their intimidation. Don't be troubled. But sanctify Christ, 15, 1 Peter 3, 15, as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and reverence. Brothers and sisters, please keep in mind that it would seem that Peter is saying that the reason that someone might ask you about the hope that you have is because you were suffering for righteousness' sake. That's the context of 1 Peter 3.15. It's actually giving an apologetic for the hope that you have in the midst of suffering and even unjust suffering or maybe we might say inexplicable suffering. We're to do it with gentleness, we're to keep a good conscience, 16, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so, and sometimes he does, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. For Christ also died, that word is the same word, it can be translated, Christ also suffered for sins. His suffering was redemptive. It was once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. That's why he did it. Having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Do you see the, the link that Peter is making between the suffering that you may experience in the world and you can give a testimony of the hope that you have and that leads us into the gospel or the suffering of Christ, which was the ultimate redemptive act. Everybody with me? There's a sense in which, turn back to Job, that your suffering can be redemptive. That does not fit with Bildad the Shuhite's philosophy. He's the second friend to speak, Job 8.1. It says, then Bildad the Shuhite answered. Now just so you guys know, this is kind of a side note, but Bildad the Shuhite is the shortest man in the Bible. Bildad the Shuhite, everybody with me? I don't know how you get much shorter than that. Okay, so, so this is why we have called the message the wisdom that falls. You guys got it. The wisdom that falls short. Some years ago, we were out in the neighborhood and we were handing out invitations to the church. The church was fairly small. Shane was a little boy. Shane had a mysterious Boston accent. We're not sure where it came from. He was raised in Southern California, but he spoke Bostonese. So we're pulling this wagon around and we're going door to door and we're handing out invitations to the church. And I was with a friend of mine, Dr. Green. He's about six foot two. I'm about six one. <laughs> what? So, so Shane had an epiphany. He looked at Dr. Green and then he looked at me. He looked at Dr. Green and he looked at me. And it was like he, for the first time, he discovered my shortness. And he went, Dad, why are you so short? I was devastated. <laughs> Dad, you're short. Yes, son. <laughs> compared to Dr. Green, but compared to others, I'll have you know I'm one of the tallest Italians in my family. <laughs> but we'll move on. Anyway, Bill Dad, the shoe height. All right. Actually, seriously, he's from an area called Shua. 
And uh, we, we introduced him in uh, chapter two. So I won't spend a lot of time talking to you about where he's from, but he was known as a wise man. And here's what he says to Job. He says, how long will you say these things? Now remember, Job has just listed all of his tough questions. He's questioning God. He's still a believer, but he's got questions. And Bildad says to Job, how long will you say these things? And the words of your mouth be a mighty wind. Scholars would say, commentators would say that Bildad is angry. And it's not that Bildad has had enough with Job's talking. I don't know how long the speech of Job would be if you timed it. But these guys talked about wisdom at the gates all day long. It's not that he's tired of Job like going on and on and on. He's tired of the content of Job's speech. He doesn't like it. He doesn't agree with it. And so this is where the idea of an old windbag comes from. <laughs> he says, Job, you're a windbag. Your words are like a mighty wind. You're full of a whole lot of hot air. Bildad is angry. Says one writer, his speech is described as short, punchy, a speech built upon a simple axiom, a simple premise. Here's the premise. Bad things happen to bad people. Good things happen to good people. That's the premise of Bildad. Bildad the Shuhite. His wisdom is going to fall short. But that's what he thinks. And there's a lot of people in our world that think just that. That's why they struggle with why do bad things happen to good people. R.C. Sproul was asked that question one time. Why do bad things happen to good people? And Sproul responded, well, maybe we should talk about whether or not there's any good people. <laughs> then we can talk about whether or not bad things happen to good people. Because good is in a relative sense. Biblically speaking, there is no one good, no, not one. However, we would agree that there's good people around, right? And that's what we struggle with. We see, we see people who are benevolent. We see people who are sympathetic. We see people who are nice. And then we hear something happen to them and we go, that doesn't make sense. And some people just, they ask the question to the universe, you know. Universe, this doesn't make sense. And then there's people with a worldview that just, they're naturalists, and so they just say, well, that's just random, purposeless, mindless chance. After all, that's the universe we live in. Nobody's steering, nobody's in control. It's just evolution. And so, yeah, that's gonna happen. Hope it doesn't happen to me. Hope it doesn't fall on my doorstep, but that's just life. But then there's other people who have God in the equation, and then, and then they start asking questions like this. Well, if God is all good, and he's holy, and he's just, then why do we have evil and suffering in the world? And the answer to that question is, this is not the world that God intended. The world is broken. You've been listening to Wisdom That Falls Short, Part 1 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch this message by Pastor Michael in its entirety, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, sometimes we try to be wise and our wisdom falls short. 
And you may be on the receiving end sometimes if you're going through some suffering and maybe somebody's pontificating and they mean well, but what you need more is just someone to listen and be there. And it takes wisdom, I think, on both ends to know what we need, because sometimes we don't always know what we need, and then what someone can provide or what we can provide. And when you just need a listening ear, maybe the best thing to do is tell your friend if they're going on and on and it's not profitable is to say, hey, man, I just need you to listen or pray with me. I think we can be that politely blunt with people. But oftentimes, I think like David, we need to keep ourselves open to the fact that maybe someone would speak something and we don't maybe necessarily think it's profitable, but maybe it is. And then I think that's where humility on both sides uh, can be very helpful in these kind of interactions. Well, this is Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and I want to invite you to a grief share class that we hold at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You know, if you've been going through grief and maybe you've been going it alone, you can connect with some people who are going through similar things, get some teaching on it. And this is happening Tuesday nights at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Now, for details on this, you can call 844-48-TRUTH or download the Living Truth app in your app store. You can do that for free. You can find out information about the class, driving directions, and much more. Join us for the Grief Share class. God bless you. So glad you're listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Job, but you can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 8 about wisdom that falls short. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.